I'm going to talk about change. Ooh, who loves change? Yeah, I don't. Anyway, so <laughs> some of us, you know, are pioneers. I was married to a pioneer. Let's get out there. Let's do this. Let's have this adventure. And then the rest of us are settlers, like, no, let's stay here and <laughs> do this. Yeah. So somewhere in between and at each end, God is here for us and he knows us and he takes us through to the changes there's going to have to be, yeah? So I want to review a couple of things from previous sermons. One is uh, Pastor Giles preached a few weeks ago and he touched on the word change and he used a scripture from Habakkuk and that was a uh, Old Testament prophet. And uh, if we could have that scripture up, that Habakkuk 2, please. And he said, yeah, I'll stand my watch and set myself on the ramparts. So that meant I'm going to just go aside to hear what God the Lord will say to me. But have a look at this next bit. Yeah, the Lord answered, I will answer when I am corrected. What will we answer when we're corrected? Oh, ouch. I've never read that like that before. I must have read my Bible 20 or 30 times since I've been a Christian. And I've never seen it like that. What will I answer when I'm corrected? Well, we have some choices, don't we? One is correct yourself, you ugly shower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to correct myself. Nothing wrong with me. It's all them others. Yeah? Or there's, yeah, I'll correct myself one day. I'll do it one day. And another one is kind of, no, it's, this isn't real. No, I'm just going to deny it. Yeah? And then there's, Okay, I'll try, but I'm not very good at this change. Yeah, and others, the, the one I want to talk about today is, okay, Lord, I just can't do it. I need you to help me change. Yeah, and maybe we're all in that situation in some areas of our lives. You know, when Pastor Giles preached about that, he said, maybe God will say something needs to change in us. And immediately this sermon came to me was, so what do we do if we think, you know, I just can't change? I've tried. Yeah, how many of us have tried and tried and tried over the years and gone round in circles? Yes, I'm going to set up a New Year's resolution. I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to throw away my cigarettes. I'm going to this and that and the other. And a week later, here we are, wasting our gym subscription. <laughs> and uh, Or, you know, going and buying another packet. Because we tried. And there was a story in the Bible, isn't there, in... Uh, where the disciples were catching, trying to catch fish, and they'd tried all night and caught nothing. And I want to use that scripture today. I used it as a picture. Do you remember um, when I preached last time, I, I had some pictures up there, and I said, imagine yourself in that situation. Remember? And what would you say to Jesus, and what would Jesus say to you? And there was one, which was the closest we could get to Jesus walking on the water, but it was actually Jesus on the shore calling to these disciples who'd been fishing all night. And I'd like to read that passage and get some things out of that. All right, so it's um, John chapter 21. And we'll go from the top, if we may. Any minute now. Here it comes. Okay, I'll read it. John 21. It goes like this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Now these are fishermen. Some of these are fishermen. Some of them aren't. Two others of his disciples were together. 
Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. So this is where I'm trying to find us in the picture. We've tried and tried. It's been a dark old time. We just don't seem to have succeeded. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. I wonder how they put all that <laughs> anger and frustration into that word, no. Yeah? And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, I looked this up. The boats were about seven or eight foot wide. So he said, take your nets from here and move them a few feet. Interesting that, eh? Um, you'll find them. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he'd removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. Remember, it's a little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they'd come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Don't you like that? 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. When you do things God's way, it will not break you. Yeah, remember that. Whatever, you know, God had counted out those fish. He knew there was 153. And he's counted out, if you like, measured what's going on in our lives, and it won't break us when we'll accept the change that he brings. So what have we got here? We've got these disciples who I feel as though they're probably in a bit of a quandary. So they left their jobs, their fishing or whatever they were doing, and for three years they've walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, talked with Jesus. Yeah? At the bitter end, when he was crucified, they all left him. Famously, Peter denied him and Judas betrayed him. But all of them left him. So they're kind of, okay, so we've all failed at the end. And then Jesus rises again, and they, they've seen him a couple of times, but he comes and goes. You know, one minute he's there, and the next minute he's not. So what are they supposed to be doing now with their lives? And maybe you feel a bit like that with your life. There's been some quite major changes, and you think, well, what am I supposed to be doing? That's how I feel. Major changes in my life this year. Well, what am I supposed to be doing now? So what do we do? We go to the Lord. But we, they don't realize it's the Lord, do they? Because they didn't know it was him. And this stranger on the shore, that could be a song, couldn't it? This stranger on the shore calls out, have you got any fish? And they say, no. And then here, this stranger says, put your nets on the other side of the boat. You know, these are seasoned fishermen. They know to fish at night, and they know where to fish. And they've gone to the Sea of Galilee because Mary said, Jesus said, go to Galilee. So they've gone to Galilee, couldn't find Jesus. So they thought, well, we'll go fishing. We've got to earn a living. And this man, this stranger, says, put your nets on the other side. But they do. God bless them. They do. They do something they can do. And this is the point I want to make throughout this, that when God wants to make a change in our lives, maybe correct something, he will ask us to do something we can do. 
And then he will do what we can't do. He will do what he can do. So they could lift up the net and put it the other side, but they couldn't make the fish go in it, could they? Jesus could do that. So they obeyed, even though they didn't even know it was Jesus. And we might have an encouraging word or a bit of advice from somebody, and we find when we do it, wow, that made a difference. Or an idea, somebody was saying to me this morning, an idea just came to them one morning. Why don't I change this situation? I keep moaning about it. And they did what they could do, and then all sorts of blessings came in. Let me tell you an example of um, Corrie ten Boom. Have you heard of Corrie ten Boom? She was uh, in the concentration camps in, uh, in Germany. And uh, her father and her sister were both died in these concentration camps. And some of you will know the story that years later, she was speaking at a, a meeting about how God had helped her through this terrible time. And she talks about how somebody comes up to her and says, Miss Ten Boom, you recognize me? And she's like, no, and then she does. He's one of the guards from the concentration camps. And he says, I've become a Christian. I've come to the cross and I've been forgiven. And for all those terrible, terrible things I did, I know I've been forgiven. And now I've, I've asked God for an opportunity to come to somebody who was a victim and to ask for their forgiveness. So she said, well, Lord, I can't do that. She said inside herself, I just can't. She said, I, I can only hate this man. And she stood there thinking, what am I supposed to do? I've just spoken at this Christian meeting. This man's come up to me asking me for forgiveness, and I just can't do it. And then she said, she had this prompting about the love of God. And she said to him, I can't do this. And she thought, just reach out your hand and shake his hand. Now, she could do that physically. She could move her arm. And she said, as I did it, the love of God filled my heart. And I could look him in his, in his eye and say, I forgive you. See, now that's, do you see how that works? Jesus and her working together. You can do this bit, and I'll do what you can't do. And that's where we need to come, you know, when we're, when we're on a kind of path of change. The start often is, I can't do this. And that's often in, in another sense, it's kind of that's where people end. They say, I can't do it, and they give up. But with God, it's like, we, I can't do this, and that's our beginning. That's where God starts, isn't it? Yeah. So they say, we can't catch any fish. They do the one thing they can do, which is move the net, and they get this catch of fish. At this point, John goes, oh, it's Jesus. Yeah? He remembers because Jesus had done that before. In Luke 5, there'd been a time when they'd got some fish when they hadn't caught all night. So he's like, oh, it's Jesus. Of course, it's a miracle. And so Peter... Now, remember, Peter's the one who has denied him. Would you think Peter might dive into the bottom of the boat and say, well, don't let him see me. I'm the one who let him down. But he doesn't, does he? What does he do? He gets his coat on and swims to him as quick as he can. And that's what we need to do. There may be people here or maybe online who feel as though they've let God down. Don't hide away. Go to him. There's always forgiveness. There's always, like that man, that guard, in that concentration camp, deliberately doing some things, he was forgiven and restored. And we can be, even if it's only a little thing, we feel far away from God. Come to him. He rushed to Jesus. And what, what was there? Breakfast all prepared. This is the son of God who's just died on a cross, defeated hell, risen, 
with his mighty blood, come back to the people who let him down, and he's made them breakfast. That's the sort of God we have. Yeah, who welcomes us. And then he says, bring some of the fish you have caught. Isn't that good? You know, had they, really, all they'd done was put some nets down. Jesus had made the fish go in, and he says, come, bring some of the fish you've caught. Because God includes us. He wants us to be, us to be part of his work on the earth. Whoever we are, whatever we're like, the strong ones, the weak ones, the front ones, the back ones, he's got something for all of us. Yeah, all of those guys in the boat, they had something to do with, with bringing those fish in, didn't they? Whether they were fishermen or not. And God has something for each one of us and values each one of us. Yeah, and can make the changes. You see, when it said earlier on about correction, we sometimes think of correction as these bad, bad things. Yeah? But really, you think about maybe your sat nav. Yeah, when you go a bit off track, it corrects, doesn't it? It just corrects your route so that you get back on the road. And sometimes she'll say, at the first opportunity, take a U turn. And sometimes that's what we have to do, don't we? In our spiritual life, you know, where did I get off here? Let's start again. And God's got all the patience in the world for us when we feel like that. In a new place, yeah, he'll guide us around. And if we go wrong, he'll say, okay, I've got another way. Yeah, he turns it to good. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. Yeah, whether where we've got to at this stage is our fault, someone else's fault. Yeah, because often when we think change needs to happen, where well, yeah, they do need to change. They do. You know, this, the world needs to change or everything needs to change. I don't know whether you've ever been driving along and Mr. I must go over the speed limit comes up behind you. I know there's nobody like that here. But I, I tend to keep in the speed limit because I've done a speed awareness course already. So I keep within the speed limits now. <coughs> nobody else would know anything about that. Um, but isn't it true now that I'm keeping within the speed limit? Still, Mr. I must go over the speed limit comes up behind me and wants me to hurry. And I'm thinking, well, you pay my fine then. Well, you get the points on your license for me. Anyway, what he's thinking, if everybody would just go faster, I'd be happy. Yeah? But what needs to change, actually, is his willingness to keep within. I say he. He or she. Yeah? He or she needs to keep within the speed limit. And sometimes we're like, if everybody else would change and accommodate the way I am, everything would be all right. You know, people can just take me or leave me. Well, or maybe I could change. Yeah, if I've got a bad temper, yeah, yeah, well, people just have to put up with me. Or maybe with God's help, I can change. I'll give you a lovely example of my temper. You wouldn't believe, would you, my temper? Uh -huh. When Julia was a little girl. Hi, Julia. I'm sure she's watching this. <laughs> when you were a little baby, Julia, and she used to sit in her high chair at breakfast time, and I used to give her a bowl of Rice Krispies with milk. So I'd put it on her high chair table and turn away, and she would throw it on the floor. Okay? So I would rant and rave and shout and, you know, clear it all up. And then um, when I made my peace with God, I was way away from God in those days, and God, by his grace, drew me close to him. And I was thinking, you know, I'm sure God doesn't like this, this outburst of temper every morning. And... Uh, I didn't know then what I know now about asking God to help me. I just thought, uh-oh, I've got a bad temper. I better try and control it because God doesn't like it. 
that was my mistake, really, was to say I had better try and control it. So on this particular morning, I was like, no, God doesn't like me to have a bad temper. I'm going to control my temper. So I put the Rice Krispies out. She threw them on the floor. And I quietly said, oh, dear. And I picked them up, cleaned everything up, gave her another bowl. And she threw that on the floor. And I screamed and shouted at her. <laughs> so that was my attempt. You know, what would you have said to me? You'd have said, don't leave her with the bowl of Rice Krispies. Yeah. Yeah, you're all going, what on earth was that woman thinking? I'd been awake since five in the morning. I wasn't thinking anything. So I just say, you know, let's not try and do these things in our own strength. I'll give you another example of a change that did work. And that was when I was doing speech and language therapy. And I had a case where um, a particular young man had a particular speech problem. And I couldn't change it. I, I was an experienced therapist. And I knew what to do. I knew the list of things you can do. And they just didn't work. And I was embarrassed. And one day I was uh, driving to the appointment. And I said, Lord, this is awful. I can't do this unproductive therapy. And an idea came to me. And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And then as I opened the door, I did the thing, I said the thing that uh, I'd been advised. And uh, I also thought, try a technique that you've already tried before, a particular one. And remember, I'd been all around, I'd looked online, I'd been to the specialist, and I'd done everything I knew how. And, and the Lord said to me, just do that one thing again. So it was like, put your nets in again. And I was like, okay, this could be very embarrassing. So I invited them in, da-da-da-da-da-da. I said, let's just try this once again. Ping, it worked. And the next week I discharged him. Just because God had helped me with the one thing I could do, and then he did, what I couldn't do. I want to really encourage you today. How will you know, though? How will you know what God's saying, that little step to take? Well, can you remember what I've said about knowing God's voice? About open and shut. Yeah? Open your Bible. Open your notebook. Open your heart. Shut your door. Shut out the wish list of what you hope God's going to say. Yeah? <laughs> And say, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to me about this? And it might be a simple thing. You remember Moses at the Red Sea there? I've got this big sea in front of me. I've got millions of people coming with me, looking to me to do something. I've got Pharaoh's army behind me. What can I do? And God says, put out your staff over the sea. Oh, all right then. Now, he could do that, couldn't he? He could do that. But he couldn't make the sea open. God did that when he did his little step that he could do. When Joshua and the guys came to the, Red, to the Jordan, they had a similar situation. And God said to Joshua, get the priests with the ark on their shoulders and tell them to put their, water, their feet on the edge of the water. And they did. And the waters went back. There are time and time again, look for it when you read your Bible, of people having an impossible situation. God says, do this little thing that you can do. And then he does the rest. And then who gets the glory? Yeah, not those priests saying, wow, did you see me put my foot in that water? Look at that. And the water's opened. You know, we wouldn't do that, would we? Yeah. We're looking to say, okay, God, if I'll do what I can, and you do the rest, and then you get the glory. Yeah, so what is there maybe in our lives that God may want to talk to us about? Peter needed to have a little word with Jesus, didn't he? Let's have up uh, the next few verses there. Um, 
So we've got, uh, remember they pulled up the fish. It didn't break the net. Jesus said, come and uh, bring some of your fish. Jesus took the bread, gave it to them. Da, 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 da. So verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So how many times did Jesus ask him? Three times. How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. You almost feel there's a correlation there, don't you, that maybe that affirmation, yes, I do love you, Jesus, kind of did something to heal those terrible memories of saying he didn't even know him. Yeah. But what was, when Jesus was going to commission Peter, what was his first question? Do you love me? It wasn't, do you love these sheep? Or do you love your family? It's, do you love me? And, you know, our motivation for change, our motivation for doing what Jesus wants, it needs to be a love for Jesus. Because the people will soon be unlovable. How many, how many of you know if you take a management position and at first there's this honeymoon time and everybody thinks, yes, we've got a new leader and this, isn't she wonderful and isn't he wonderful? Or a pastor taking on a new church. Oh, we've got a new pastor. Yeah, this is better. And then things change and people shake down again. But if we do it for love of Jesus, if our eyes, because Lord Jesus, what do you want here? What do you want in this church? What do you want in my family? What do you want in my job? then we're doing it for him, and then that sustains us. Yeah, because we're doing it for him, because his love is shed abroad in our hearts for these people, because we're looking to him as our source. We're looking to the light. We've been singing about, haven't we? We look to the light. Are we going to receive what comes from the light, or are we going to receive the stuff that comes from around us? We need to keep our eyes on loving Jesus and his love for us. Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to finish now. I'm going to pray. And uh, maybe just for a minute, have a think about things that you know need to change in your life for, for a better life for you, for a better life for the people around you, and certainly for God's kingdom to extend. And let's just uh, wait on him and see, is there something God wants to say to us today? Father, we want to thank you because you are for us. You are for change. You are for us against the things that we struggle with. You're on our side. You're not against us. And we thank you, Lord, that as we come ag against things in our lives that we know aren't good for us, aren't pleasing to you, and things that we really can't change by ourselves, we know you always have a master plan. And then you have a plan B if we fail that. Because you're so patient and so gracious and so good. And Lord, I pray for each one here and each one listening online that if there are things that need to change, maybe it's our health we know needs to change and there's some habits we could change. We find so hard. We ask for the grace. We ask for the grace to do what we can do so that you will help us do 
what we can't do. And that you'll do the miracles. You'll do the supernatural. If it's relationships, Lord, where we wish the other person would change, but actually you could help us to change. We ask for the grace for that as well, Lord. And we're going to believe for miracles. We're going to believe that, mm, that you're going to just have a picture of a volcano erupting. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you're going to, all those underlying things that have been so difficult, you're going to bring them forth and you're going to deal with them. So thank you, Lord, for your victories. You're a mighty God of victory and love. Amen.